0: Welcome everyone to the 209 Journey podcast. My name is Luis. Before we get started, I just wanted to invite everyone listening right now. If you are not following us yet on our social media, please give us a follow. If you visit our Facebook page, you can find us at the 209 Journey. You can also search for that on Facebook and you'll be able to find it there. Also on Twitter, we are at the 209 Journey. So please give us a follow on both of those platforms. Uh, I like to share whenever we post new episodes. And I I am also gonna be sharing anything going on in the community, things to do in the 209, all those different things. I am gonna be sharing all those on social media. So if you're someone who lives here, you'll have different things uh, that will be on your timeline now that are different uh, things you could do around here. Or if you're someone listening outside of the 209, then great. We're going to try and give you a reason to visit us sometime whenever you get a chance, whenever you're passing by. uh, uh, We'll give you that one reason because uh, I want you all who are listening now who have never been to our 209 to visit, whether it's Modesto, which I am going to be biased because that is my hometown, um, or any other awesome city that we have here in our area. Please, you know, we that's one of my goals of this show is to have you visit one of our Different uh, cities and towns that we have around here. Uh, If you've never really visited them, or maybe you've passed by 99 or I 5 and you just haven't been able to uh, visit them. So, yes, please check that out on there. Uh, Eventually, I might be doing some live interviews on there as well. So, be on the lookout uh, for those. And those might only be live interviews that I do on social media only and not ones that are on the podcast. So, You definitely want to follow one of those two pages so you find out when those happen and when uh, those are going to be happening so you can join. So thank you so much to everyone who has followed us. And also want to ask if you if you could please do me one quick favor, and that is if you can share this podcast with at least one friend, that would mean so much to me as I try to grow this show as well. So please Share with them the name of the podcast. uh, Share with them the link to our podcast page that has all the platforms. Let them know that the 209 Journey podcast this year. I would really appreciate that. And if you're able to leave reviews wherever you do leave reviews, please uh, leave me a review. One of those places that I know is pretty popular is Apple Podcasts. So if you'd like to leave a review there, that would be amazing. Please uh, uh, leave a review there. Or if you're not ready yet, All good. Whenever you're ready, please uh, leave me a review there. That would mean a lot. And if you have any ideas for future shows, uh, or if you have any potential future guests, or if you're listening now and you have a story to tell us, and you live in the two hundred nine or you moved to the two hundred nine, then please send me a message on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll get you on the show. And you know, we'll highlight your story and have you on here. Let me go ahead and introduce my third guest of uh, this show. Really excited to have this uh, special guest tonight. Um, It's the first time that I'm actually talking to anyone who is a mayor. So really, really interesting stuff. And even more so because she is the mayor of not just any town, but my hometown, Modesto, California. And she grew up around here as well. Even went to my same high school, Davis. So really awesome stuff. Really Great to have you here on the podcast. But let me go ahead and welcome you here to the 209 Journey Podcast, Sue and Welcome, Sue.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I appreciate the time that you're taking to interview me.
0: Awesome. Hey, I, I appreciate your time too. I know that you know you must be really busy, a lot of things going on, especially in a more normal year, right? We're going all back to hopefully normality. I mean, I guess I guess you can't. Really uh, predict the future anymore, right? After last year, but it looks like things are, are getting better. And at least we're all able to go outdoors, be able to enjoy all the things that we can enjoy here in our hometown as well. So great stuff. So let me go ahead and, and start off by asking you I know that you grew up here in the valley. Uh, you're, you're a four generation, right? Californian from uh, Portuguese and Swiss German immigrant families. Tell me more about, you know, how how was it growing up here in in the Valley?
1: Oh, I loved it. Uh, I grew up actually just a a couple of blocks from where we live now, where we raised our six children. Uh, My parents were Modesto High School graduates, 1944. And actually both sets of my grandparents lived here. They had dairy farms, which is typical of immigrant families um, coming here to the Valley. And um, so I grew up in my neighborhood with my parents and my grandparents close by, spending a lot, every holiday with families. My aunt and uncle were here and cousins. And um, so we, we just you know had a great life. I, it's here in the college area. So my childhood days were very often spent at Grace Data Park. They had parks and recreation directors there during the summer, that is, Every day, the neighborhood friends would go over there, and there'd be games, and we'd play on the playground equipment. Uh, just, you know, spent a lot of times out, time outdoors, roller skating, just playing ditch and with all the neighborhood friends. There was an empty lot, vacant lot, so it was kind of like the sand lot. There'd be pickup baseball games. It was just a really uh, great childhood here in the Valley, and, and uh, you know, it's what I still love about Modesto, that, we still in some ways we're a big city with that small town hospitality, as I say, and, and feel. And so in many ways, it, it hasn't changed. Um, of course, in a lot of other ways it has. but so I grew up with you know great family life, great friends, um, just just a fabulous school experience. I met my husband in high school. See, we were seniors at Davis High School, and we started dating. And uh, we just celebrated our 45th wedding anniversary on July 17th. So uh-huh. I talk about all sorts of experiences <laughs> growing up here. He came here when he was three years old and he's the oldest of eight children. So there's, you know, we just have a lot of uh, family, friend, connections. And then, as I said, we had six children that we raised here. So they uh, were, grew up in the same neighborhood. So it's a pretty cool story when when you think about that. I think there's a lot of um, security in that actually and this is my city, my town, my place and I absolutely love it.
0: Wow, that's that's really amazing. Congratulations uh, on that. I mean it's really awesome uh, when you hear those stories right ever since high school. That's that's really cool.
1: <laughs> right. I you know, I might add too that my father was a postal worker. He retired from the um, Postal Service, so he delivered mail and then worked as a supervisor at the end of his career. And my mother was the secretary at St. Stanislaus Catholic Church on 709 J Street, the building downtown, for almost 40 years. So we do have a lot of, uh, you know, strong connections with old-time uh, Modesto families and it's so interesting now because some of my grandchildren are playing even with my parents friends what would be like their great great grandchildren and now they're friends so there's just these you know long, generational connections that we have here that I think makes Modesto a very unique place to live.
0: Wow yeah that's that's awesome I actually went to that church uh, well when I was like younger right when I was a, a child uh, we went there a couple of times I remember uh, and, and, it's definitely one of those churches that really stands out, right? Because it's right as you get off the freeway. And and I remember going there a couple of times. So, wow. It it's really beautiful,
1: right? And I'm referring to the one on J Street, 709 J Street, the older building. Mm. It's it's just incredibly beautiful. A lot of memories there um, and growing up in, in our beautiful city of, with trees. I'm just looking out my window, all the trees that we have and we're trying to help plant more trees and um, just, you know, just, it's just my life, really. This city has been my life and I'm really grateful for everyone here and they've enriched my life and have cared for my family and taught us all and uh, have played a big part in our lives.
0: That's, that's really great. And, you know, as you were mentioning Grisada Park, right. I think initially, I don't know you can correct me if I'm wrong, right. But that was meant to be like one of those, uh, parks that was really like a landmark of the city, right? The place where like a lot of things happen. And, and to this day, I know that they do uh, the summer concert series, I believe right on this, but I don't know if that's still ongoing, but. Uh, I,
1: oh, I have great memories of that. I, I tell people that I remember a day when there was the Friday night concerts and there would be maybe 10 or 12 or 20 people there. And Mrs. Wright would be there with her snow cone truck. And um, we would all look forward to that. Uh, but it's right. It, I mean, it is a beautiful park and is uh, known. I believe the same designers of Golden Gate Park in San Francisco designed Grace Ada Park. Oh. And it was two women, Grace and Ada, who had the vision and uh, made it, made the park happen. So I've been grateful for them and for other women in my life. That um, of course I never knew them, but uh, are great examples to women everywhere. To have a dream and a desire and go for it, which is kind of what I did in this election and, <laughs> and where what brings me to today. So uh, it's it's you know all connected and it's who we are.
0: Well, I I learned something new today. I I actually all this time I thought Gracida was just like someone's name, right? Like that was what they were called. But wow, I did not know that was the two people who combined their name.
1: <laughs> That's who, Grace and Ada
0: well and interesting that's that's really really cool yeah I've had the chance to go to that park a couple of times and you know I, I think you know that yeah there, there's there's some work that we could still do right to bring it back to you know how, how it used to be made more and, and I, I hope right that more of that work can be done because that that place if we can get more uh, uh, events going on there more things going on it just it brings more traffic to the downtown area and it's so convenient right because you just get off the freeway and it's not that far right there, right? You just pass a couple of lights and and you're at a good spot, plenty of parking, right? Because it's, it's so big. Uh, And so uh, I'm glad that I I see more things happening there as time goes on. And I'm like, yeah, we, we need to keep that park. That park is historic and we need to make sure we preserve it for as long as we can.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, a lot of people that are talking about the arts just last night, I was in an event at Brad and Nancy Hans, they live right by Grace State Park, actually. And the Stansel's Arts Council is looking to revitalize their group. And uh, really, you know, there's a lot of people there that represent dance, drama, um, opera, all, all the artistic um, means that we have to develop these programs and shows. And and uh, I think that it's there's, it's going to happen. There's going to be, we already have so much here in the Valley that a lot of people are not aware of, but I, when I was campaigning and still today, I probably talked to dozens of people every day about these very topics. And I remember one man said that he moved here from the Bay area. I think it was about seven years ago. And he just could not believe the arts, the level of arts that we have here, our own ballet, our own symphony, our own opera. All of these things, he said he tells all of his friends from the Bay Area to come here because Modesto has it all. So I think that a lot of it's just getting the word out and, um, you know, producing more shows and highlighting it so that we can all take advantage and enjoy that. And it, I think it improves the quality of life for everyone.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there are more things to do, um, more things to learn. Right. I think it'd be nice. So there's a uh, uh, some plays that they did on there, too. And, and we didn't mm-hmm. have to. Always just go to the Gallo Center for the Arts, right? But have something more outdoorsy, right? You get to, you know, right. be out and, and you know, hopefully it's not too hot, right? But yeah, I'm assuming well, it might be more later at night, but, but just to have yeah, more things. Sure.
1: And I, you know, I know there's Friday nights at 10th and J, outdoor music. And then the other night, my husband, and I said, you have to go to a for a root beer float. Ooh. Once during the summer, we drove down there, live music. Someone was singing, there was music playing. So, you know, we live close to downtown, so we're there a lot. And there's a lot of things happening down there. But my family was so involved through the years with athletics. I mean, you know, my husband, his mother was a piano teacher, and the, the arts and music were a big part of their lives. And our six children all played two instruments and did chorus. Music was a big part of our our life. Eventually, our family, but his, him and the rest of our children, got very involved in athletics. So that kind of... Um, is what we spent most of our time on. Mm-hmm. However, I, I always attended whenever I could any arts events and and have a, just a great appreciation for any and all activities. I you know in the school district, they they can be called extracurricular or co-curricular. To me, they're co-curricular. It's all a part of life and and enriching it and making um, our world just a better place to live. And you know, you never know for a child's interests needs to be wide and lots have lots of options so that they can explore and you never know where, what they're going to choose or, or end up being. So um, it's all really important to our community.
0: Yeah, I like that idea of calling it just a co-curricular. Extracurricular just makes it seem really like, oh, it's just an option, you could take it or not, but they probably should. Uh, I don't know if things have changed since I've gone to school, right, but they probably should be uh, adding more artsy classes right to that curriculum where you have to take them and as much as to some they might feel like oh yeah I might not be as much of an artsy person like you said they might discover that wait you know what I actually do like acting this is actually pretty fun I actually want to do this or or even if it's not just that but I feel like even if it's just one of those things where they just take the class and, and learn that it helps you in so many other different ways, even if you're not trying to be an actor, but it also helps you right, with like public speaking, not being shy to be like in front of other people. And and it basically puts you in that spot where it kind of opens you up, right. To uh, improve and, and ends up maybe helping you out in the future. Right. When mm-hmm. you choose your own career path. So yeah. Sure.
1: I, it's all important. I'm, you know, my husband until he ran his first race in track and, Everyone discovered how fast he was. I mean, he was first chair of clarinet in the band. He was, you know, participated in all the choral activities, has a beautiful voice. So, you know, throughout your life, we can do a lot of different things. I, I took piano lessons here locally, uh, like I said, and I have noticed uh, I helped in all of my children's classrooms through elementary school. And in sixth grade, one of the teachers would write an original play every year and the students would produce this play as part of their 6th grade curriculum and it was always interesting to watch students that maybe struggled in you know academic courses would flourish on the stage memorize the lead role uh you know just not skip a beat they were just they just came alive in front of the camera in front of the the audience you know so what you said I I couldn't agree with more that it's just so important to provide lots of options for people in our community. And the great thing is, is in public schools, they really do have those options so they can participate. Anyone, regardless of, um, their situation can choose something that they enjoy and, and flourish through it. That's one of the beauties of public education.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm glad that, you know, th- things are, things are being even better, right. As the, as the years go by, more offerings are, are starting to appear and, uh, it's, it's really great. I mean, I hear all the stories that, uh, you know, my sister tells me because she's still in, in the public school system. And it's so awesome to see all the different things that, you know, are available for anyone going to school right now. And, and I'm glad to see that. I mean, I'm glad to see that things mm-hmm. are, are, are improving as time goes on and they get these opportunities there as well. So mm-hmm. with that being said, now that we're kind of on the subject of school and, and we did briefly touch on the district. I know that you got elected to the Modesto city school board in in 2009 Um, being that it was, you know, we were still going through the recession, right? Because it basically just hit us the year before. Uh, How was it like, uh, I mean, just joining the board and and such a a difficult time period uh, post or, you know, still recession, I guess you could still call it in 2009.
1: Right. I mean, that was, those were rough waters. It was very difficult because there was potentially budget cuts and, So there was a lot of uh, community concern about some of these co-curricular programs being dropped. So we have a lot of public input regarding that. So it's kind of interesting. It's some things in the city that are similar to that. And um, that's why I'm so um, set on everything being done transparently and openly, because it's important for everyone to come and to be able to express their concerns, what's important to them and why, and also to hear from elected officials about their feelings about it and what they plan to do about it. So, of course, there was a lot of concern back then. We were able to navigate those waters, um, I feel like well, that we, we did it well and to preserve the uh, programs that we felt what were important for our students and to keep uh, teachers employed And then soon after that, the whole um, funding formula in California was changed. So there was just a lot of transition uh, that happened those years in education. And I was on the um, school board for eight years and I really did love every moment of it. I, you know, it was just a great experience. And in many ways, it's a lot like this position in the city. I mean, a lot of what we did on the school board is similar with, um, city government, there's contracts, and um, even with the school board, we dealt with roads and building and construction and development and all of those issues, so there's some areas that really cross over, the difference being that on the school board, it was all um, to think of our 30,000 students and how it affected their parents and guardians and their well-being, so there's a, a lot of emotion involved in that. You know, parents and people that are responsible for children want to know that they're safe and that they're protected and that we have their best interest um, in mind when they are sent out the door every single day. When you think all day they are with our teachers and administrators and it's important that that we do the work that we did. And I'm proud of it. I you know, we raised our graduation rates considerably. We we. Um, Really took that to heart, and uh, I'm proud of it. It was fun, fun to be on the board. It was a, a very challenging. I put the time in, I put the work in, I did the reading, a lot of reading. <laughs> That's one part of these jobs that a lot of people don't think of. There is a lot of reading to be up to speed with what's going on, and make sure, making sure before you sign something that you read it and really know <laughs> what. Um, you're signing on to because there's a lot of information it's overwhelming actually sometimes
0: (laughs) well that's that's really good that we have people like you guys right then can can read all that can make sure that you know we you know are are making the best decision as as, you know we can make right because like like you said right there's a lot of things going on that year and uh, yeah I, I can't imagine having to deal with the a lot of challenges like that, but I'm really glad that things were thought well, right, and that mm-hmm. fortunately, right, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you, you we want all the teachers to still stay employed, and, and for mm-hmm. them not to lose, because uh, losing one teacher can make a big difference, right, for one student, because uh, I know we were talking about it before we were recording, but uh, my past guest that I just had on, actually, in this most recent episode that I did in episode two, uh, Lori. I mean, she made a big impact uh, on my life and I'm like, if <laughs> she would have been one of those that would have been laid off, I, I just like could not imagine not having her as a teacher because she was really passionate really about what she did, right? She was a big influence, not just to me, but I know that to a lot more students because uh, she's had some students that have uh, moved on, now they're working for these amazing places. One of them even went to Harvard, another one for, to Stanford. So different things like that, it's like, you know, it all kind of starts with uh, those teachers who motivate you to get there, or even if they don't directly motivate you for that, I feel like you always have uh, their voice in your mind, right, from uh, how passionate they were with their career, and you want to, like, basically mimic that with your own uh, Mm -hmm. career field, so.
1: Well, everyone makes a difference and an impact in someone's life, Um, you know, words matter, words count, uh, even a look, a nod, Uh, reassurance can help a student be successful. And, you know, really years before I even ran, I'm thinking about, I don't know, it was late 1990s. So maybe 10 years before I even ran for the school board, I read a lot of books about education. And um, I, I remember one in particular mentioned that through studies and data that they have that even one adult person in a school can, change the path of a student if they have a positive relationship with even that one person. So whether it's a certain teacher, a a custodian, a coach, uh, my husband coached for many years, decades, high school football, and, you know, a coach can make a big difference in the lives of students. So, or, or a, say it's computer club or leadership, whatever it is, anything that you're interested in that advisor or that teacher can, or ca- a counselor can make a big difference. When I was in high school, um, one of my counselors was Jim Enox, which Enox High School is named after. He was a government teacher at Davis High School um, a few years before, and then he was a counselor when I was uh, in high school. And he always had his door wide open. And I remember having a conversation with him one day about wanting to be a nurse. And um, how encouraging he was. And as I said, his door was always open. So students just knew they could come and go. And now we know, I mean, Enoch's High School, that's who it's named after. But that was when he was a counselor. He was eventually superintendent of schools for many years, Modesto City Schools. But people have a long history. And, uh, you know, what they say and what they do, even a comment like that will be meaningful to a girl like me in high school to give me the courage to continue to apply to nursing school. And then I did become a nurse and worked in the emergency room for almost 40, yeah, for over 40 years. So it, it you know, it makes a difference. So my, my being in this role is it, you know, I come here with a wealth of experience and um, interactions and relationships in our community that I know have made an impact. And I just hope that I can continue to do that in some way. With the people that live in
0: Modesto now, oh well, you you put it really well, right? The impact of one person and and you're an example of that as well, right so uh, that that is really interesting. and and I agree. I mean, it really does only just take one out of how many teachers right we have in high school, right? which fortunately, Uh, I don't know how far it goes that dates to to when we started having multiple teachers in, uh, you know, middle school, junior high school and high school. But really great that, you know, we we transitioned from elementary to these uh, uh, secondary schools afterwards. And we have that experience of not only just having one teacher, but having multiple ones. And again, hoping that one of those is the one that really connects with the student and makes a big impact in their life. Um, And so I'm really glad that we have that system and that you get to, yeah.
1: Oh, I have to add too, I have some teachers that still support me to to this day, write sweet little notes. When I am my third grade teacher, Joan Fisher, she always writes me a little note and she's always encouraged me. Uh, Miss Betty Ward, freshman year at Davis High School, 1968, 69, always supports me in my campaigns. So these relationships are hugely impactful. They last many, many years for teachers that really uh, are engaged in care. And there are so many of them. Louise Alberti, um, freshman. We were her first class at Davis High School. She's now long retired, but she was there for many, many years too. So, um, oh, I could just, I could tell you so that have had an impact on my life throughout many, many years.
0: Yeah, that, that's really, really cool. I'm really glad to to hear more of those stories, hear more people that have done that, because unfortunately, right, sometimes at home, you might not always get the, the best of example, right, for a lot of students out there, too. And sometimes they really need uh, that one person outside of their home, right, that can be the person who can say, like, maybe like, hey, you, you can go to college, like, you might be struggling, but guess what, you can make it there. And if you want to do this, then hey. Give it your all. Oh, you can do this, right? Because a lot of times, I think students fall into that trap where you might feel like, "Oh, I don't think I could do that," or maybe I'm in the wrong spot to do that, or I don't have the uh, family background, right, to maybe do that. But I mean, I I could think the the one example that always comes to mind is Jose Hernandez, right, who ended up you know going to space of all things, right? And, and his background, you know, uh, I know plenty of people in that situation where they could have also said like, oh, that's we're just dreaming, right? Were you sleeping? Right, yes.
1: Uh, I meant to say, and I, there are so many people that have stories like he does.
0: Yeah, so um, it, eventually. It really,
1: yeah. it, it's just, it's they're remarkable, right? Um, but there again, public education makes, very often makes that possible and good family support. You know, it, it doesn't have to be Uh, connected to income or Mm -hmm. circumstance. Uh, That's obviously, there's a lot of research about that too, that I've read and Mm -hmm. we probably don't want to go off on that. And it's, (laughs) that helps, you know, I do not deny that to be in a stable um, income home is incredibly powerful. There's a lot of people that, that um, are very successful. And that's why it's so important to have people on school boards that believe that that can happen, that believe that every child can be successful. Literally every single child can be successful, regardless of where they live or, or their situation. Some need a little bit of help along the way, and but that does not matter where you live or what neighborhood you come from, we all need that encouragement and support to to really be as successful as we can be.
0: Yeah, I, I have that same belief, too. I think it doesn't matter what GPA you have. I mean, you could be a student that might have like a 2.0 versus someone who might have a 4.0. But I think that, you know, with the, the right motivation, with the right uh, matter of, you know, maybe uh, teaching and all that, I think you can eventually get to that point where you can actually be at that level as well right you just need that motivation you need that uh uh, way of teaching and sometimes you know a teacher has to be more patient right with some of those students but when when you get Mm -hmm. the right teacher that does that which uh to plug in Lori again too she gave me a story in the last episode where she basically went through that i mean it's it's amazing i mean when when you have a teacher that can be a little more patient with one student, right? Even if all the rest of the students might be at a different pace and, and be able to say, wait, you know what, I want to fix this. You know, I want to make sure that they understand this because if they fail this class, even if it's just one student fell in the class, I'm going to feel like I just failed, right? Like knowing right. that if it's just one student, I'm going to fail. I don't care if it's just one student. And having that mentality, I think uh, makes teachers really feel like I need to make sure that everyone is... Uh, passing, that everyone is on the same page, that we all move forward together and not leave one person behind. So,
1: Right. I think that teachers and leaders are best if they are open to um, or or provide an atmosphere where people are um, encouraged to ask questions of things they don't understand. Multiple times a day, I say, tell me, I'll say, I don't know what I don't know. Tell tell me what I don't know about this topic or when I was on the school board, tell me, tell me what I need to know or don't know about whatever, you know, whatever the topic was in the same way with city government. I'm new to this, right? I mean, that's obvious. I spent my life as a mother and now grandmother and I've been a nurse and I've been on the school board. I have not been mayor before. So I very often say, tell me what I don't know about this. Educate me. Uh, and and I've learned to do that through the years, and I find that that's really helpful to get information, and I think that it, you know, gives people a message that even though I'm in this position now, uh, I'm still learning, and I have a lot more to learn, and to know, and to grow, and understand, and um, there's always not even just two sides to every story. There's usually five, six, seven, eight. And I've learned, you know, I mean, another experience that I've had is being in the emergency room. Like when you asked about dealing with issues on the school board during the Great Recession and now, you know, with situations in our city, nothing is predictable. And that's what I've spent my career doing is dealing with situations and patients. The, the, their condition can change in half a second. And then, okay, now we have a new situation. What are we going to do to make it better? How are we going to help this patient recover? Uh, it can change like that. So, you know, that's my world. That's my life. So I, I feel comfortable in, in that place. So whether it was school board or being mayor or raising children, whatever it is, um, I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs>
0: Speaking of uh, dealing with change, right? I mean, like we, we just had that <laughs> just happen, And, and, and I, I mean, everyone had to face so many different challenges. Um, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about, uh, now that you mentioned, right, you uh, worked in nursing for about 40 years. And, uh, you know, I haven't really spoken to that many nurses and all that too. And especially in your circumstance, right? You weren't just in nursing, but you were in emergency room nursing. Uh, how, how was that like, like, right? When you first got started nursing, like,
1: well, you know, h-
0: how was it like? Cause I, I mean, we all think emergency room and we're like, oh, that's gotta be really chaotic. And, and, you know, just a few times I've had to go, I'm like, you know, it's, you, you have to be a little uh, patient, I guess, right. Because there's so many people and a mm-hmm. lot of people waiting and almost like customer service in a retail world where you have to deal with so many different things going on <laughs> in that waiting room.
1: Uh, Yes, I, you know, it might seem like it would be chaotic to the outside world, but to those of us in the department, it's not because that's what we're trained to do. And I would uh, actually uh, triaging in the waiting room is was one of my specialties. I might say I feel like I kind of brought that to Modesto. And uh, when we moved back in 1983, no, 82, and that's when I started back here in the emergency room and, uh, went and took a desk out in the waiting room and started making just lists on basically on binder paper of who, who came in, what time they came in. And it evolved into now what is a, um, you know, massive triage system at the hospital. Now I retired in October, 2019. Uh, so I haven't been there through COVID, but uh you know, I mean, it would seem chaotic, but there are systems in place, protocols in place. That's what we're trained to do and is to care for, for patients that come in with whatever their emergent situation is. And I feel um, really grateful that uh, we have the healthcare that we do in our community Uh You know, people have benefited so gratefully, greatly, and they don't even really realize it. But it's because of the work that's been done by nurses and physicians and and, uh, that make a profound difference in the quality of life of people in our community. Uh, You know, it started, I remember when we first started with our trauma alert system to care for trauma patients. And it is a very precise system of the way things are done so that they can have the best outcome, hopefully be recovered and leave from the hospital. And then we developed for the same uh, protocols for heart attack patients. And then now for stroke patients. And these are protocols that, and, and also now for sepsis people that come in with um, infections that are, that are potentially life threatening. So, there's protocols in place now that have proven data and statistics that if we do think, treat things a certain way and uh, that patients will have a much better outcome and, and hopefully, uh, you know, much better quality of life and survive. Sometimes they wouldn't if we, if we would not follow those protocols. So it's, it seems chaotic and there's a lot happening when you have a critical critically ill patient. Uh, a lot happening at one time it may appear to the outside to be chaotic but it's not it's it's um defined and calculated and uh, people are getting the treatment that they really need so uh, it was a great career I loved every moment of that and I'm still actually doing courses to keep my license current reading a lot of reading again. <laughs>
0: Well, that that's really great. I'm really glad to hear that. It's it's just mm-hmm. how it is to, to us on the outside because you you definitely do need uh, everyone, right, to to be uh, uh, patient, I guess, right, for everyone to like maybe keep calm under those circumstances because I I, and I know if I was under that, I feel like I would be under a lot of pressure, right, and and I guess that's why some of us aren't meant for for nursing, even though my mom really wanted me to get into like a medical field, but I just exactly. feel like I could not really. <laughs> be like that well, we, but
1: yeah we that's that's why I feel like that was a, a great experience to prepare me for elected office to keep calm under pressure oh and, yeah <laughs> you know and and be able to think clearly under pressure and to make good decisions under pressure those are all traits that are required for ER nursing as well as for elected office so it feels very familiar to me
0: yeah, that, that's actually that's a really good way to put it, right? Because a lot of people might not think that you can relate things like that, but I mean, it really makes sense, right? It's like, and just in this case, the hospital is the city, and the patients mm-hmm. are us as, here. As, so you know, I think but the way I team. see,
1: you know, it's a, it's a team, such a team concept, you know. In the emergency room, we have our ER physician, nurses, respiratory therapy. Um, you know, pharmacology, you know, lab, people from the lab coming and drawing blood, you know, orthopedic technicians, surgeons, private physicians coming in, just, you know, a lot of moving parts. But we all really work together to take care of our patient that is on that bed, that needs us at that moment. And it is a very similar, I mean, that's how I tackle issues, whether it was with the school district, I looked at each student individually. And I feel like that's really important for teachers, also. And I think now for the city, it's it's the same concept that you know. Really, when I get emails from people or have conversations, it's one by one by one, listening to what their concerns are. That's what's important in the moment. And uh, you know, people care here in Modesto. It's incredible how how. Um, interested people are in our community and improving it that's how i look at it i don't you know of course there's complaints and a lot of ideas i've received lots and lots of suggestions and ideas and they're all great um you know we just have to keep thinking and keep working hard to make it the best city it can be
0: i'm I'm glad to to hear all that too and and i might have some suggestions as well too i know we, we spoke about it offline i'm really really proud i guess what what could we call ourselves Modestonians? or i've never really heard a terminology for for us here too but us modesto people uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know i I think yeah there's a a lot of things and i have noticed a, a lot of different improvements right as the years go by we see more development more business coming to town interesting businesses and and all that but uh, kind of going back to to this uh, topic, I mean, yeah, it's really. I mean, it's. I think once you kind of think about it, it's like, yeah, all these different things are basically the same thing, right? Education, healthcare, running a city, mm-hmm. it's all just about like just having a lot of moving parts. Everyone being able to coordinate with each other and and really having all that piece together. Too, it's like it's not really all that different, right? You're just dealing with other situations, but the whole idea of all these things being like functional parts, right, in like an overall system. It's the same same thing. So, yes, yeah, I so really, you, uh...
1: you just triage? Like, identify what the problem is. You know, with your patient, whether they're breathing, with, whether their heart's beating. Uh, you know how their body is functioning. It's it's really very similar um, processes in dealing with issues in the city and and problems and situations a lot of times that people find themselves in. And city services, we don't provide healthcare services you know, technically or behavioral health, those kinds of things. Um, but uh, there's just a lot of connections with how our city functions. So it's it's a it's a really great experience. And that's one reason why I did it. I mean I knew when COVID-19 hit in the you know March 2020 I just retired. And I thought, this is a perfect time to do this, because I knew we were in for the long haul. I knew we were. And here we are. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really grateful that I did it. I needed something to sink my teeth into. I just retired from ER nursing. With the worldwide pandemic, I knew that this was going to go for a long, long time. So I thought, let's just dive in. Let's do it never a better time for a nurse to run for office than during the midst of a worldwide health crisis.
0: Yeah. That's actually how I saw it. Like right right when I found out you were a nurse, I was like, yes, (laughs) she's going to understand exactly what's going on uh, with uh, the situation that that we're going through. I hands down. I'm so thankful for everyone who decides to go down the path of the medical field, because I'm like, you guys are the real heroes and, and, you know, being, like I said earlier, right, being like patient, being okay with dealing with all these situations all at once. I'm like, thank you so much to everyone who is already in that field, has been in that field, is thinking about joining that career field. Yeah. I'm like, nothing right. but thanks.
1: In third grade. <laughs> so there I'm like,
0: again. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, that. thank you. Yeah. To, yeah, to everyone grade. out there. <laughs> I
1: wanted to be a nurse. So I, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. So.
0: It's really awesome that people decide to go that route because we need more people that are really passionate about what they do, right? And especially when you're in the medical field. I mean, I think out of all the careers out there, if there's anyone that you need people who are really enjoying what they do and really truly want to help others, which I've been pretty lucky that I've had some that happen that way. But I have had some experiences where I've had uh, some practitioners that, you know, it just seems like they don't really particularly enjoy Like maybe they, maybe they were in my case where their parents told them, Hey, I want you to do this. And instead of telling them, no, I feel like I want to do this instead, they <laughs> went that route. So I'm like the more people that are like in your situation where it's something that you already know, it's not something that, you know, your parents told you to do and, and you're kind of doing it just to please them.
1: That <laughs> um, was not the case. And my husband's a dentist also for 40 years. Um, he graduated in 1981 and loves it. Still, just loves it. Loves doing general dentistry and taking care of families and patients. And so, it's it, it makes a difference for sure when you really want to do it.
0: Oh, that that's that's great. I can imagine uh, your kids if they ever had like a toothache or, or like any other health situation, it was like they knew who to go to. <laughs> they had someone they can ask. That's, oh, that's yeah. Really. They-
1: <laughs> <laughs> they get tired of my stories for sure. But as soon as they <laughs> say something about mom, that can't happen. I'd be like, Oh yes, it can. Do you want me to tell what I saw today? It can happen. So, uh, you know, do not start your car without your seatbelt on <laughs> those kinds of things.
0: Oh yeah. That's, that's good. <laughs> that's right. good. So you, that was,
1: yeah. I took care of patients. I remember that we're in a parking lot that, uh, oh yeah in a parking lot hadn't put their seatbelts on yet and ran into a big cement post
0: oh wasn't pretty
1: they were okay but i mean their faces were you know multiple lacerations and things on their face there was no internal injuries but you know it it, if you think you're gonna wait till you get to the street you better (laughs) put it on before you start moving (laughs) so uh they kind of look at me like, oh, here, mom goes again with her stories. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you can learn the hard way if you like, but <laughs> it happens, so.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. it's like, you definitely don't want to go that route. I know in terms of dentistry, now that we kind of mentioned dentistry, I know I learned the hard way when you get a root canal done. So if anyone doesn't <laughs> want to, like, just right. make sure you get those uh, cleanups done each year, because I, I learned yeah. the hard way having it done. <laughs>
1: things are pretty simple, you know, floss and brush, right? I mean, I, I, thank goodness I have a dentist in the family because uh, since child, I'm definitely a sweet eater. Um, But I do know the importance of brushing. But it's with COVID-19 too. I wouldn't want to wrap this up in any way, shape or form without saying the guidelines are really not that confusing. Uh, We know that, uh, you know, masking makes a difference. Six feet... A part makes a difference. I call it physical distancing, not social distancing, because we can still interact. Uh, just keep our distance and wash our hands and then get vaccinated.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we're
1: pretty straight. Uh, <laughs>
0: the, the way I like to also say it, too, you know, in terms of the vaccines, it's like you look at other countries and we're so fortunate, right, to be able to have such a supply and, and such like an immediate way of just getting your vaccine so quick whereas you know it's sad to me to see other countries where people can't get the vaccine yet right and they're still basically going through all the times that we went through last year and and you hear more uh, cases going on over there and it's like you know it's it's unfortunate for them and here when we have all this supply it's like let's make sure everyone try to use it right let's Let's right. get rid of this and let's put it in the yeah. past. And
1: yeah, it's tragic when you read about it. Having said that, I understand that every individual may have their own concerns about it. And uh and I've done some research about that and the psychology of it also. And, and it's been my experience too in the emergency room that it's important for healthcare providers to explain to patients about the vaccination and why it's important, and potential symptoms, and to talk that, talk that through so that people feel comfortable with what they're doing. So it's, you know, it's very easy to say things are simple, but when we're talking about human beings, it's, you know, every person has their history, their experience, what they've heard in the media, from family, you know, rumors, whatever. So I just, you know, I encourage everyone to talk to Uh, health professionals and get the facts and make their own decisions. Uh, But clearly vaccinations have saved so many millions and millions and millions of lives throughout so many years for children with polio. I was one of those that went and got the little sugar cube that you read about now in history with the drops I remember my mother taking to me right over here by the junior college, the building. I still remember standing in line and getting that but you know i have friends now that are still suffering from the effects of polio back then so it's very real you know um shortened limbs and scratchy voices from when they had you know a tracheotomy i'm sure just you know there's people that are my age or a little older that are still living with the effects of that and it's it's difficult and it can be prevented
0: oh yeah Yeah, probably.
1: You know, we don't. And now, I mean, COVID. There's, we already know there's long-term effects, and this is a whole new disease. So, uh, I just there again. I really encourage people to get vaccinated, but also if they're if they're concerned about it, to talk to others and talk to healthcare professionals and get the facts, get real data.
0: Oh yeah, I I completely agree with you there. Like, everyone needs to really talk to their medical, uh, professional that they work with and, and just to, so they really know everything, right. I mean, if you have anything that, you know, might cause you to have like a reaction, all that, you know, get, get the information. I know when I got my, uh, second dosage the next day, I was having some symptoms of like, you know, a, a cold, but it only lasted for one day, but uh, I had already been told that. So it wasn't like a shocker, right? Like, whoa, what's Product. going
1: on? Will just have you know, I mean, some people have the fear of even, I mean, just the fact of waiting in line, anticipating that injection, they get <laughs> anxiety and really fearful. And I mean, it's very real. And I know I saw one uh post on Twitter of a friend of mine, and she just came out with it that she just didn't think she could do it, and so she took two friends with her to support her and to be there with her and to. Help her get through that. So intellectually, she knew it was what she should do and how important it was. But she was just honest with herself that she was very anxious about it, very nervous. And uh, that's part of our humanity. We all have different challenges, and I've certainly saw have seen that in the emergency room, where you know people are really afraid of. lot of procedures and sometimes they will delay coming in because of that but once I explain that we have ways of taking care of it and there's pain medication and um, sedation and other ways to deal with that then they're less afraid and they relax and it you know it goes smoothly or whether it's a mother you know that's coming in to deliver her first child I mean there's all these experiences that we have in life and For some people it's getting an injection and my husband with dentistry for sure. I mean, I have friends that have told me he never, he did not share it with me, but they would tell me they just sob prior to going to the dentist. Like every time they they would just like uncontrollably sob and they would tell me how he was so patient and understanding or whatever. So I, you know, everybody has situations that, that, make them uptight or nervous or anxious. So as healthcare providers, it's our job to help alleviate that as much as possible. And hopefully people will feel more comfortable and um, get their vaccines so that we can live safely and securely in our society uh, without having to be so concerned with passing that disease on to one another
0: yeah that very very well said and i do agree i mean anyone in the uh, healthcare field if if you are really passionate about, about what you do and you really are sympathizing with people because like you said right there's different circumstances some people are more anxious than others others are like hey i'm just go for it right like no no worries um and, and you know even if they're not like that right because you might not know right away they might mm-hmm. be hiding their emotions, right? They might not they might be kind of how they're feeling and sure. doing all those things is is good. And and I could think of this last time I just got a cleanup at my dentistry and the hygienist was like super nice, uh, uh with any little thing. And, and I was I wasn't like being anxious. It was just a cleanup and there was no problem or anything. But you know she kept reassuring me like okay you might feel this you might feel that if you uh, uh just feel like anything hurts let me know I'll stop right away so super patient I mean uh telling me like all these different things. And it was just a cleanup. So right. it, well, it, 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 yeah.
1: I, I have family members that to walk even into a hospital. They feel like they're going to faint. You know, that's just the, their reaction. It's a it's a physiological reaction. So if, if someone has that um, going on, how are they going to wait, you know, two hours in line to get a vaccination if they're the whole time they're feeling like they're going to pass out? So it's like, you know, there again, like you said, being honest and open with how how each of us feels and then getting the support to get through it so that we can, you know, accomplish what we really want to. And yeah, I I know that it does make a big difference when you have a hygienist that or a nurse that takes the time to explain everything, reassure you that uh, it's, you know, we're going to get through this and this is what you're going to feel. And I even very often with pediatric patients would do that. If I just take a few extra minutes and explain to them, like if they needed an IV or, or something like that, you know, this is what it's going to feel like. And I'm not, I'm not going to do anything without explaining to you first, there will be no surprises. You know, it really helps. So um, I think potentially we know that there's some people apparently that are not going to be vaccinated no matter what, but there's a lot of people that probably have concerns that if they're reassured and have all of their questions answered might be more likely to consider it and to do it.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it, it's just really, really great that, you know, we do have some of those people out there and and people need to uh, know that. I think when you're, getting into that career field. And I don't know exactly what, where maybe they, it's not something that you teach, right. It's just like, you know, I feel like it's more like just a uh, common sense, I think as a, a, a career profession or anything, right. Especially if it is something that you like to do is, is to know that, you know, you're dealing with a human being who has emotions mm-hmm. and you might also have your own emotions. So I think people need to put themselves in their shoes and, and just, you know, just be nice, right? I mean, when it comes down to it, well,
1: like, like a lot of what you said is—is is it just comes? It's common sense. But we are taught that in nursing school. Oh, okay. To, oh, absolutely. <laughs> to be aware of of all these possible scenarios, yeah. and some people may feel this way about a certain procedure. Some may look at it this way. Cultural um, sensitivity and different cultures look at different yeah. procedures in different ways. Uh, gender genders look at at different procedures in different ways, you know, and Western versus Eastern civilization, whatever. So we are taught that in nursing school. Granted, I mean, basic empathy, my parents were both, you know, very loving, sensitive, kind individuals. So were my grandparents that I mentioned in the beginning lived here locally, you know, just very honest, Uh, sensitive, intuitive people I felt like. And so that was my environment that I was raised in. I'm sure that helped. But we do learn about a lot of different approaches to uh, certain treatments in in nursing school also. My program in particular, I went to nursing school right after high school in Oakland at what was Samuel Merritt Hospital. It was a three-year diploma school and it was clinically focused. So it was a, a Uh, the clinical patient experience, we received almost twice as many hours as I think most nursing students did at the time in the hospital with patients and with close instructor um, supervision. So I, I felt really grateful that I had that experience, a lot of clinical experience before I graduated, and especially being in the Bay Area too, because we took care of you know, I did my pediatric training at Children's Hospital in Oakland. So I took care of very ill children and, um, and a lot of um, different circumstances that they, that they lived in very challenging uh, circumstances for some of the children. And so I was good. It was good that I had that experience and was able to bring that back to Modesto.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Right. mean, there's a lot. Of course, you're a lot more busier, right, being in the Bay Area. And so it's it's great. Yeah, I think we there's a lot of things that, that we can learn from, from the Bay Area, too, and, and bring that back over here.
1: You know, it, like I said, in certain areas, we've become that. We have specialized enough that we don't have to transfer people to the Bay Area. Um, so I'm proud of that. Children, we're so fortunate that we have Oakland Children's, we have Madera um, Valley children's down in Madera and then um, in Sacramento area too, there's children's hospitals and we have a burn center and UC Davis, I believe it is in Sacramento. And so it's, um, you know, we just have a lot of specialty treatments close by. And now we know the importance of getting people there sooner than later. So Mm -hmm. we just have streamlined a lot of procedures and protocols to make sure that people get the best treatment possible with ultimately the best outcome. That's always what we're looking towards. So we know that a lot of those decisions are made very early on in patients diagnoses. And so now we're taking that action sooner than later. So it's really exciting right now. It's an exciting time to be involved in whatever we are in life. Things are changing so rapidly with <laughs> technology and, you know, imagine this. Right. I did my whole campaign on Zoom, literally an entire <laughs> political campaign on Zoom and people um, thought it would be impossible. It's not impossible. You can interact just like this.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like we're uh, re- recording now. It, it works out <laughs> good. And, and yeah, it, it's crazy, right? How many things you could you could do on Zoom. And actually speaking of that, too, to segue into our uh, last topic of, of today. Uh, is actually just right on that right right as you mentioned before uh, of course you made the decision to run for campaigning right right when the pandemic was uh, starting to and and doing your campaign out through zoom Uh, walk us through how was it through like the the whole campaign and uh, I mean I know you had to like you know, uh, basically, I, I think, and, you know, I guess it goes for anyone who was running for any political office, you had to basically reinvent, right, the, what, what was a campaign and be like, all right, well, let's step back and let's see how can we do all the things that were normal things to do in a campaign, but now in, in this new uh, world where, you know, we can't be, you know, like holding events in person and, and all that. How, how was all that like and, and the organization of all that?
1: In some ways, it was um, more convenient because I could sit right here in my kitchen like I am right now and go um, from one thing to the next rapidly. On the flip side, it's like that's kind of the way it was. Like one meeting ended and then you were right on to another one. At least before there would be traveling time, you know, stop and grab a Coke along the way, whatever, you know. But, But now the expectations were you know, a meeting at three, a meeting at four, a meeting at five. So there was really a lot going on. It was really, really busy as campaigns are. Uh, And on on another level, it was um, convenient because I could have notes in front of me uh, that maybe I wouldn't always have uh, in person. Uh, So that that was helpful in some ways. Although most of the time, you know, it's this kind of interview, like my questions from you are not given ahead of time. So uh, this is just speaking from my heart and from my soul and as the thoughts come to me. And there was a lot of that also on Zoom because we, we didn't know what, you know, what people were going to ask. But um, we did everything that we could by email and by snail mail, of course, which flyers and those mailers are very, very expensive. But we organized it all on Zoom meetings. Uh, I really only had two live events. And they were physically distanced. Uh, So we wore masks to enter and then just took our masks off when we spoke. And we were physically distanced. But only two. And typically there would be, you know, maybe four or five of those a day, uh, you know, Meeting after meeting after meeting on Zoom. It just was done on Zoom instead of in person. So um, that's how that went. Now, I mean, granted, there's a component that you lose without the human touch and, you know, personal eye contact. But I think that overall, people uh, seem to understand the, you know, the thought behind the message. And um, regardless of whether you're in person or on Zoom, you have one minute to answer it and to give the best response that you can in that one minute when you think about that, you know, talking about topics that we could spend literally hours on. And you have 30 seconds sometimes to respond. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pressure packed there again. But as I said, with my experience in the ER, I, I always operated under pressure. And don't have, you, don't you know, when you've got a child in front of you that's lifeless, you have a few seconds to make that decision about what's next, what you're going to do. And then there's a lot of things that happen really quickly. So I, I lived in that environment my entire life pretty much. So uh, I, I feel like I was able to recover under stressful moments and uh, just did the best that I could and answered as honestly as, as I could. And with my own experience that I've had in my life. So I was very fortunate to win this. It was a runoff. You know, I'm not sure if you're aware of that. So then that was interesting. Because in November, you know, the money was gone. But it was an, a brand new election now. So it was like start, we did the election to up until November. And then had to start an entirely new Elections, so it was really like two two separate campaigns back to back. So it's a lot of hours in a day, a lot of time, a lot of money that has to be raised. Uh, it's very expensive to run campaigns, so uh, we did it, and um, I had a great team helping me with it. And my family is very supportive, and my husband we are we are opposite politically. Uh, but he supports me and in, in my goals and my dreams and my desires. So I'm very thankful for that. And um, just grateful for the votes that I received from every person that voted for me.
0: That's, that's awesome. I, I'm really glad when I see uh, people with different uh, political beliefs, right, but still showing that like, hey, we can put politics aside, right? At the end of the day, we're human beings, and and we all have our own things. And there's a lot of things that, like, we agree on that maybe the opposition party would agree on as well. And so, I think it's really knowing, right, that things can can still work out. And and I'm glad I'm glad that's that's the case. I mean, we want to mm-hmm. hear more of that.
1: And it's just remarkable, you know. I mean, people follow these campaigns locally, and I had people that would just volunteer to plant my signs. So we'd get request after request, you know, several, like hundreds of requests for my yard signs. People wanted a yard sign. And then there would just be a crew through email that would say, yes, I'll deliver a yard signs. So they would come and pick them up from my front porch. They'd have the list by email. All of this was done. No direct contact, no touch, right? We're in a worldwide pandemic. And then they go out and plant those signs. So, you know, people want to get interested in a campaign, but they don't really maybe want to walk precincts or they don't want to talk on the phone because there's all lots of phone calling that has to happen for support. All those things you can offer, which I decided that when I'm done running for office, I want that job because I left to drive around town. So I'm going to just sign up to deliver signs and I'll go plant yard signs. You know, it's a job that needs to be done. And it's so helpful. So there's so many things and so many people that got involved in my campaign. I, you know, it's just impossible to express appreciation to all of them that the volunteer time and in the midst of a pandemic, when a lot of people could have just said, I'm not going anywhere, I'm not doing anything. But hey, they can pick up signs from my front porch and plant them on a yard and no touch, grab a little hamburger along the way and milkshake and <laughs> call it a day you know, I mean, make the best of it. So I was very fortunate to have that support. Wow. Well, all, all of the endorsement groups, that was all done on Zoom. Just, you know, arranged ahead of time. And, and the interviews were uh, by Zoom. So um, thank goodness for technology.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that that's actually, it's kind of funny. I was thinking about that last year while we were all working from home, right? De- dealing with all this. I was like, imagine if this would have happened you know 20 30 years ago right when we didn't really have anything right that we could we couldn't work from home we couldn't do any anything of this like how much of how much more of a challenge right that would have been uh, just for everyone right I can't can't even imagine the, the public school system as we talked about that earlier and how how much that would impact them right and
1: Right. Well, the thing know. is, everything probably would, I mean, and so much of it was really previously in my growing up years just by mail and what you read in the paper. And then maybe, you know, for the presidency a uh, uh, debate, one or two debates for president of the United States. Yeah. Oh, goodness. That's a, another thing. You know, it helps to see people's body language. People can tell, I think, if you're sincere. Uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for being able to see people's body language. I mean, some can fake it and in mailers, you know, people can say whatever they want. (laughs) I'm an honest person. So everything I put out there was important to me and honest, but anything can be printed, Mm. but you really have to know the person. And that's, what's so difficult, right. To really know people's intentions. What, what do they really want? What's really important to them? How do they treat people when no one's looking Mm -hmm. those kinds of things? You know, that's the person I, I would love to get to know and vote for, but impossible, right. For most offices. So with mayor, you know, I've lived my life here. Uh, So I think people know me, they know who I am and uh, I love this city and want to make it the best I can possibly make it in the short time that I have in this position.
0: That's awesome. And I'm really <laughs> glad to hear that. And and I do agree. I think as with uh, mayor and, and I think just in general, not not just maybe uh, speaking here on, on our hometown, but just in general with any place, right. I think it should always, it should always be someone who is very well familiar with the area, right. Someone who grew up in the area knows the, uh, the issue, the circumstances, all the things that are going on mm. and what are some things that we need to improve on, you know, what, what are, what is all that? And I think more and more people kind of see that. And that's one of the things that I saw with you when I was looking at all the different uh, mm. candidates and, you know, we, you, you like to see that. You like to see someone who grew up here in, in the area and uh, has, you know, worked all of her life here. There's different connections you've formed around, town and and you know uh, all the things that are going on and and you very well do really from school to healthcare I mean that's those two are are major components (laughs) of our area and being able to say like I I understand all the things that have happened in both uh, the different places I mean that I feel like that prepared you the most and and I'm really glad that uh, you know you put in the work uh, to it too and and you know now you're able to Bring all that knowledge with you to us, too, and and hoping to see, right, all the different amazing things that are gonna be happening here in my hometown. As I said, I'm really proud of my hometown. I think there's a lot that can be done here, and you know really excited that. And I'll be sharing some ideas that I've just had over time, just <laughs> grown up here. and and different questions I actually do have a lot of questions that, I've never had someone to ask them to, right, because I've never really spoken. You're actually the first person I'm speaking to in an elected office uh, in uh, my city. So a lot mm-hmm. of questions there <laughs> that I, I might have. And and I'm really glad that, you know, you right. got the chance to hop on the podcast. I mean, this is really amazing being that it's my third episode having, you know, the mayor of my hometown is uh, truly a big honor to me to to be able to say that. and you know, again, uh, I'm really excited for for what's to come here in my hometown, especially knowing that it's in very well hands. uh, And, uh, you know, I I don't know too much about the past mayors. And I I, I do have to admit part of it was that I used to not take too much of an interest in like anything city in the past. But I think after uh, what happened in recent years and all that, you know, I, I became more like immersed in the world of like, oh, let me see what's going on in the city. And a friend of mine ran for uh, city council and she was elected. So I was like, mm, this sounds a little more interesting. Let me learn more about it. And I'm at that point now where I think sometime and I don't know what that office will be. I actually want to say that I at least make the effort of running for whatever it is. And mm-hmm. no matter what the outcome is, I just want to experience that because I did actually do that when I was uh, stand in law state. And, uh, Fortunately, didn't win, but I was like about 10 votes short. Uh, I could have done a lot more uh, in terms of campaigning and all that, but, uh, you know, I wasn't really uh, too familiar with how all that worked all that well. So uh, I do want to someday take the chance at uh, running for some sort of local office here in town. And so uh, thank you so much for kind of inspiring me even more for that.
1: Well, I hope that I did, and I encourage you to do that and to get involved even more and um, uh, we have six other council members, so the, they would be great for you to interview also and get a flavor of um, what we all bring to the table. They're very dedicated council members. So I encourage you to reach out to them also and uh, appreciate your kind words. It means a lot to me. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, and and like I said, thank you so much for for being on here for being on the show. you know, I, I think you you are, the perfect example of someone who grew up in, in our area who knows a lot about our our area and who, you know, is going to be even making sure that, you know, it's a really great place for anyone to to be here. Great. Well, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate you spending the time here uh, with me on the podcast and, you know, hope to have you back on sometime soon, maybe when I'm celebrating uh, hundred episodes, which uh, I'm going to keep going at it and and we'll, we'll have you back on if if you have some time in the future.
1: Sure. Just let me know. Happy to do it.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Well, have <laughs> a good rest of your Sunday. and
1: All right. Thank you. you. Thank you. you.
0: Bye. Bye. Thank you so much again to Zu Zwalin for being here on the show. As I said earlier, truly an honor to have the mayor of my hometown on as a guest and as a, as a third guest here on the show, I mean, I, I could not have imagined that I would be speaking to the mayor of my hometown, which, like I said earlier, right, I've never spoken to anyone in any position, city council, anything like that, let alone someone who is now our mayor. So really great stuff. I, I could have never imagined uh, just in general, I think, before I became a podcaster ever imagining that I would be speaking to our mayor uh, here in my hometown. And I'm really glad that she took the time out of her really busy day to spend on here on the show. Really great stuff. Really super uh, excited about that and really great interview. I mean, it's so amazing uh, how much she's done uh, in her career and all the amazing things that she is going to bring to this position and being able to be patient, right. And being able to uh, work under different challenges, which like we said, right. Last year was full of different challenges and, you know, just in general, right. I mean, it could have not been last year. It could have just been any other year without like a challenging year as it is. The position of mayor is a challenging one, right. I mean, it's no easy feat to have to, uh, manage a city a town it, it doesn't matter what you're managing i mean it's no easy feat to um, be in that role and and go through all that and so i'm really glad to know that my hometown is in very good hands and re- really just really happy to to know that and, and so we might have her back on the show sometime uh whenever we're celebrating uh episode anniversary 50th 100 uh I, i'm i'm thinking of some ideas uh, as I speak now on what I can do whenever I get to that point, but we are definitely going to be having some of the guests that we have on the show back on. So if you really enjoyed listening to all the guests that we have now and that we will have in the future, uh, be be on the lookout because I I do want to do a anniversary special of some sort where we have them back on and we hear uh, how things are going for them. Um, at the time being when we record that, of course. And so really, really excited uh, about this. So I got to say thank you so much to everyone who has listened to this podcast. It's really awesome. I'm really thankful. Anytime I go back on my analytics and I'm able to review how many listens I get per day, how the episodes are doing, and which, you know, this is just my third episode. It's really Awesome. And uh, as I like to say, and I've mentioned it in one of my other podcasts in the past, I appreciate anytime I see that I have, even if it's just a handful of listens, whenever I, I get to see that, which a lot of times is within maybe a couple hours after posting an episode. It, it's really awesome to me to see that, uh, regardless if an episode gets to so many listens or it, it would only have a handful of listens, like I'm still appreciative. It doesn't matter what. And I really appreciate each and every one of you who takes the time out of your busy day to listen to an episode that uh, I have on here. And I invite you to listen to other episodes if you'd like. I am going to be having future guests, again, all centered around people who grew up in the 209 or who moved to the 209. And I'm interested in hearing their story, right? Why is it that they moved? What are they doing now? And so that's all this podcast is about. I want to show the world uh, that we have a lot of amazing people who grew up here in the 209 and who have uh, decided to make the 209 their home or at one point made the 209 their home and now they're uh, living elsewhere. So really super excited to have a lot more amazing guests on the show. And so if you subscribe to the podcast, you'll be notified whenever I post new episodes, which I'm doing my best at hopefully doing every Tuesday as a schedule. I know right now I've been doing like every other Tuesday. It's almost like every two weeks, but my plan is to do an an episode that is posted every Tuesday. So for anyone who wants to have a schedule down, uh, I understand and I want to make it to the point where Every Tuesday, you can look forward to an episode. So I am working on that. I really want to make that work out. So every Tuesday, you can open your podcast platform and you can see a new episode on there and be able to listen to it. So that's that's one of my goals of this podcast is to have that done. And so with that being said, by the way, if any of you out there listening right now know someone who could be a guest on the show or if you yourself listening right now would like to be a guest on the show, please feel free to send me a message on either our Facebook or Twitter page. And let me know your story, right? Let me know what it is that you'd like to uh, share. And, you know, we'll we'll get you scheduled here on the show. And, you know, we'll do an interview just as I've done here now. And with this being the, the third one. And yeah, let's, let's talk. Uh, again, I'm interested in talking to people from different professions out there in the 209 so I want to get a variety of different ones out there so we can highlight so many different stories and so please uh, send that message and I'll have you on here and and again thank you so much to everyone who has been following uh, our social media pages I really appreciate it and again really excited to share with you all um, the amazing content that I have planned for everyone Once again, thank you so much to everyone for listening to this show. And you will hear me next time here on the 209 Journey Podcast. Have a great day, everyone.